Good morning, welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song? Just to know 
than just survive. We were made to thrive. Hey! Oh, 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 Yeah, this is an issue when you put the mic on. Yeah, what's your problem? It happens to all of us. It does. Yeah, okay, let's, let's try it again. Good morning. I'm having one of those moments. I bet you envy me right now. In fact, that's the topic, right? Love, love does not envy. Whether you are here in person or online, we're glad that you're with us in worship. We have a God who wants to bless us with one blessing on top of another. And, and being part of worship and to celebrate God, what a glorious thing. And especially, I met some guests here today. We're glad you're with us. And we just pray God's blessing on you. We'd like to get to know you. Um, if you are a guest, you can either stop by Next Steps in the family gathering area, or you can text 1C Guest to 94000. And that will let us know that you're here, and then we could maybe answer questions you might have. Also, a little later, we're going to have prayer time. And if you have a prayer that you would like included in worship today, feel free to text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. And we'll include that in worship today. And then also, uh, every week we have communion. And here at 1C, we believe that Jesus gave this gift. It's bread and wine, body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. And if this is your belief, we invite you, in fact, we encourage you to join uh, in this meal. And if you did not get the elements before the service, go out into um, family gathering by the kitchen windows, and you'll find the elements there, and then you can make your way back in. In fact, the next song would be a good time to go quick get that so you don't miss out on that. Also on the way in, hopefully you were able to pick up one of the brochures uh, that does a couple things. On the back side, has a lot of the Bible verses you're going to be seeing. And we're encouraging you to take the message and have it throughout the week. So look at these Bible verses, study them, learn what does it, what does it really mean that love does not envy. And then on the inside, you're going to see some highlights of some of the ministries that are going on that we would love for you to be a part of. Okay, so if you would, that would be it. We are ready to continue our worship. May God be glorified in and through his people.
Boys and girls, this morning as we talk about love, we're taking a look at envy. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love does not envy. But what is envy? That's not a word we use a whole lot. Envy means to want something that doesn't belong to you. And you know what? When I think of envy, I think of raccoons. Because they're always trying to take stuff that doesn't belong to them. If you leave food outside, they'll come and eat it. And you know what? You don't even have to leave food outside. They'll just dig through your garbage cans and look and try to find something that they want. Don't they? Yeah. And you know what? There's a reason they get nicknames like Trash Panda or Masked Bandit. Because they're always in places they shouldn't be trying to take stuff that doesn't belong to them. Well, I've got a video to show us of what that looks like with a raccoon who sees something that doesn't belong to him but tries to take what's not his. I didn't know raccoons could run on their hind feet, did you? That's pretty crazy. Well, that's a good picture of envy, isn't it? She wanted so much that she took two handfuls and then took off running with it. Well, that's kind of a silly video. But you know what? We can get in a lot of trouble when we follow envy. And so here's an, another picture of what it could look like in a bad way to follow envy as this raccoon tried to get some peanut butter and ended up finding its head trapped in a peanut butter container. But as you can see, that jar is licked perfectly clean, isn't it? So that raccoon made sure it got all the peanut butter, even though it had his head trapped in a jar. Well, do you know what? Jesus came to this earth to take something that didn't belong to him either. But he didn't come out of envy. He came out of love as he came to take our sin on himself, even though he had never sinned. And he took the punishment that we deserve by going to the cross, dying for our sins, but yet rising from the grave alive, and we have life and hope in Jesus because of that. That's what love looks like. Love does not envy, but it puts others first, and Jesus did that for us. Let's pray. You can fold your hands, bow your heads, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking our punishment, for giving us forgiveness, and love and life in you. Amen.
Let's take a moment and go before our Lord and confess our sins, which means being honest with God about our struggle with sin and our need for forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you, and as hard as it is to admit, we confess that we sin against you by our thoughts, our words, our deeds. And as we think about this whole aspect of your calling for us to love, uh, we admit we don't love you and others in the way that you would want us to. So we come before you because you are the one that can bring forgiveness. You are the one who died on a cross and rose again to, to pay for that sin and to give us victory. So may we now receive this good news and may we then live our lives as people who are forgiven and empowered to love. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.
Yesterday afternoon, I had a, an incredible conversation with a young man, in fact, uh, elementary age, and we met to talk about communion. And as I was giving the background and the story from the Passover to Jesus in that upper room and what it means and who is it for and all this, I just was watching him take it all in. And then I, I got a glimpse of why Jesus said what he said. He said, unless you have the faith of a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And um, if you ever want to have a conversation about what is communion or other conversations, I would love to be able to meet with you and talk to you about this. Um, it's, it's really a highlight in my week, my month, whenever it happens. So if you'd like to, please, please feel free to contact me. So if you would, take the elements out at this time. And as I do every single week, because the power of what this, this meal is, is found in the Word of God. Okay? It's in the Word of God. And so I'm going to share with you the scriptures where Jesus is instituting or starting this very precious meal. Then afterward, I'll invite you to take each of the elements individually. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you would now, please take the elements, and if you would, open the bread, and then take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. And then if you would, open up the wine or the juice and take and drink. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you that you hear us no matter where we are in our lives. Prayers for the Bear family. Prayers for the Giannis family. Prayers for everyone at SOS. Prayers for my daughter who is having a procedure done on, on Tuesday. Lord, just be with her. Prayers for all the people graduating from SOS this week. Prayers for Pastor and Kristen on their trip. Prayers that Kristen gets some answers while they're on their there. Prayers for Randy and healing in his body. Prayers for the Schwartian family as they have lost a mother, a wife, the grandmother today. Prayers for a friend that has lost his best friend yesterday, that he can find comfort in God's arms. Prayers for our country. Prayers for my health to continue getting better and for my fiance to find a job as well as my brother and I find a vehicle for transportation. Prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord for physical healing. Father, we just thank you for all these prayers spoken and unspoken this morning, that we can just come to you and
and just lay things at your feet. We just thank you for opening that door for us to come to you. And join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we continue our journey in 1 Corinthians 13, remember what I said. Every week we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8a from different versions or translations. Last week was the New American Standard Bible. This week is going to be from the message. And if you ever want to have a little bit of fun, look at a version of something in the message. They say it totally different. So I'm going to put this up here. I'd like for us to read this out loud together. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Totally different, right? That's it's still the, the message. Now, just a little backdrop to it if you weren't here last week. The Apostle Paul was the author of this. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write these words to a church in Corinth about 2,000 years ago. Now, what was going on in their world is they were experiencing a lack of love. There was division, discord, um, maybe even hate. Um, strong things were happening. So a church that he founded and he was a part of, it, it broke his heart to see a group of people kind of wander. And so he writes these words. And I believe this is the genius of God. He can write these words for a church 2,000 years ago, but he can also write these words for One See the Sanctuary or for Jim Thielen in 2021. I need to be reminded of this. Now, if you recall last week, we stopped and paused on the words, love is kind. And I talked about how in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul uses the word agape when he talks about love, and that is an unconditional, selfless love that has really no limit. I mean, it is just all in. And when you attach that agape love with kind, it is, it is something beyond our comprehension. And yet Paul says we're supposed to do it. Now, today, we're going to shift gears a little bit differently, and we're going to be talking about love does not envy or I grabbed the little message version of it, says, want what it doesn't have. I think that's a very good uh, translation of what the word envy means. It's, it's kind of a big concept. So I'm going to take you on a journey of 
envy that I had and maybe even still have today. Who knows what this is? Come on. Anybody that was alive in the 1970s? Oh, no, 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 no. This is like one of the first video game systems ever. This is a Pong, okay? Pong. And maybe you, you, you weren't blessed to have it, but my parents wanted us to have the latest and greatest stuff. So when we were kids, they bought us the deluxe version of Pong. Now, this is, I, don't, I couldn't really tell, but our deluxe version was about this big. Okay, it was really big, had two dials, and what made it deluxe was a little switch that when you put it up one direction, it was tennis, and when you put it down, it became handball. In fact, this is what it would look like. Aren't those stunning graphics? And we would play for hours at end, playing this. And I recall, and my brother may have a differing opinion, I always won. I was the best at Pong. But here's the scoop. If Pong is good, when Atari came out, yeah, baby. And Nintendo. And, I mean, you could go through it. Every time a new system would come out, we would kind of hint and we would kind of encourage. And, you know, I'm just glad that I got over that phase when I was like 45. <laughs> if you look at this picture up here, this is not all of them, but I had most of these. I had like different video games because I just love playing. I'm a kid at heart. I did stop at the PlayStation 3. Okay? Doesn't mean I'm not praying that PlayStation 4 would come my way somehow, some way. Um, but I don't, I don't play games as much. But you just take a look at them. I mean, there were so many of them. And my eyes would be drawn to them. And I'll just say this. It's innocent. It's not bad, but I'm going to say sometimes our envy of things can get in the way of what God wants to do. Now, we could joke about a system and a play system and all this kind of stuff, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff that can get in the way and cause all sorts of things. In fact, Scripture talks about this. In James chapter 3, we're told, wherever there is envy, you'll find every kind of evil. So I can safely say this. Envy is not of God. Envy is dangerous. Envy can be debil debilitating, but also it can be deadly when taken to an extreme. So let's go back in time. When was the first envy moment that we have recorded in Scripture? This is where you could talk out loud. Yeah, you know, that's what I would first answer myself, but then I thought, wait a minute. No, we have to go back further to Satan. Remember, in the garden, not in the garden, but up in the heavens, Satan wanted to have just as much power as God. That didn't go well. That envy caused God to send Satan out of there and say, you're, you're gone. Now, did envy end there? Next, where do we find envy? Somebody said it earlier. Yeah, the Garden of Eden, we have the story of Adam and Eve. And that same person, Satan, comes slithering up. And in essence, it's not about the tree or the fruit on the tree. It's about envy. What about, don't you want to know as much about God? 
dangling that in front of them, they fell. They fell hard into sin. Did it end there? Where next? Yeah, Cain and Abel didn't go any further than the next generation. They're kids. Now remember, Cain and Abel, uh, they gave gifts to God. Right? Abel gave from the first fruits the best. It's, he gave his best. Cain didn't do so much like that. So God showed his admiration, affirmation for Abel's gift. And what do you think? How do you think Cain felt? Envy, right? And it got to the point that the envy brew inside of him to the point where he killed his own brother. Horrific. But again, wherever envy is, all sorts of vile practices can take place. All right, now go a little further. We're going to go to um, the story of there's Jacob, and then there's the 12 sons. Joseph is one of the sons. The story goes like this. Jacob really loved his son, Joseph. And anyone remember how that was demonstrated? Anybody remember? Yeah, a colored coat, a, co a beautiful coat. And you can almost picture Joseph walking around in front of his brothers like this. Not a good move, I'll just tell you. Joseph, when you look at him in his, uh, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, he's an upstanding man. Oh, my goodness. We don't find a lot of, quote, dirt on him, but I think it was not wise for him to be walking around with the coat of many colors. That got his brothers envious. So then they plotted. They said, okay, let's, let's do something about this. So they beat him up, put Joseph into a hole, a cistern, and they were just going to let him die. But then there was a caravan that was going to the east, heading to Egypt. They had a brilliant idea. Let's sell him. Let's get something out of this. So they sold him to be a slave. If you want a great story, go into Genesis, read the story of Joseph. See how God took um, a sinful, horrible moment of envy and turned it into something that was fabulous. That's how God works. He can, he can take the yuck of our sin, the yuck of circumstances, and do something great. So, but that's a, that's a good story for you to go. Let me now go to uh, King Saul. Backdrop. Children of Israel envied all the other nations. We want to be just like them, and we want a king. God wanted to be their king. God wanted to be their leader. But they wanted to be like the other nations, and they thought they knew better. So they kept pleading and pleading and pleading. Finally, God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. And so we have King Saul. Pretty much a good king, right? Well, there was this moment, so to speak. Uh, king Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan had a really good best friend named David. And as David was kind of rising up in the ranks and, and was showing great leadership and people were looking to him and, you know, giving him a little acknowledgement, King Saul became a little insecure, envious. And we find King Saul attempting to kill David. Wow. Now we go a little further and we get to the story of David. David, a man after God's own heart. Right? I mean, he was pure as fallen snow in Columbus, Nebraska. Right? Can't say that about Arizona, but how about here? Uh, he, was, he was really great. Correct? He had no issue, no sin. 
no envy. He did. If you recall the story, the account, it's painful. Remember, he looked from one rooftop to another rooftop. And he became envious of somebody else's wife. And so he plots and schemes and he does all this and he sends the, the husband to the front lines knowing he's going to be killed and he ends up crossing that line and that sin. So we sit back and say, well, that's just Old Testament. It doesn't come into the New Testament at all. No, it does come into the New Testament. And I, I can give you some instances, but I'm going to give you a summary slide for you. Um, going back to that James 3 passage, envy can, can get ugly in many different ways. Just take a look at the list. Murder, obsession, dishonesty, complaining, uh, vain. I mean, the list is there. It's kind of like the A to Z. When envy is here, it starts showing itself in the actions and the behavior of people. Not good. Lives are affected dramatically because of envy. So, Jesus, the master teacher, while he walked on the face of the earth, he, he touched on lots of topics. And I believe in the story that we have of the parable of the workers in the vineyard, he touches on envy. He touches on right attitudes versus wrong attitudes. And so we're going to learn from this story, just briefly this morning, encourage you to look at it on your own. But here's the story, the, uh, the parable, remember? Earthly story, heavenly meaning. Earthly story, heavenly meaning. And an earthly story just allows us to wrap our minds around something, and then he just teaches us something very spiritual. Really, he was the master teacher. So here's the story. The master, he decides he's going to go hire some people to work in the vineyard. So he goes in the morning, he hires some people. But then as the day keeps moving, he starts hiring more people. Okay, that's good. So far the story, no problem at all. But then there was the problem. Let me go to Matthew 20, verse 10. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. What happened? Not much pay. I mean, these people put in a full day's work, and they're sitting there probably comparing. Probably looking at those other people that work just a couple hours. And they're thinking, well, if they got that whole denarius, I'm going to get more. I think what Jesus is teaching in this story, in this parable is that we should stop comparing ourselves to others. It never bodes well. When we compare ourselves to others, either way, it turns out not so good. So example, if we compare ourselves to somebody who has more than us, because that's what the story is kind of about, they only worked a couple hours and they got the full pay, and you know, what can that lead to? Envy. If we compare ourselves to people who have less than us, what can it lead to? Kind of a pride. Look at me. Look what I have. Those lowly people. So no matter what, either way, it doesn't really work well to compare ourselves to others. So we don't do that. In fact, at the very end, I'm going I'm to, I'm spoiler alert, 
Bottom line, we should keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't do the comparing. Don't go looking at people and what they have and what you have. And just keep your eyes on Jesus. But let me go a little further. All right, the workers who had been hired first thought that they would be given more than the others, but when they were given the same, they began complaining to the owner of the vineyard. And he said, this is the master, and the master represents who? God, yeah? Okay, so um, are you envious because I am generous to them? Wow. Really touching on a nerve. And I think here Jesus is teaching that we should be thankful for what others have. And don't sit back and be judged about what you think they should deserve or what they should have. But rather we sit back and say, okay, I'm going to give thanks for whatever they have. Now Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Do we do that? I forgot to tell this story, and maybe you can relate to this one. Just picture sitting at a dining room table. Dinner is done, dessert is coming. Mom brings the dessert on different plates, puts one for my brother and one for me. What do you do? You compare, you're you're looking at. And if my brother got a bigger piece of whatever... I'm feeling not so good. But Paul would say, you should just rejoice. If he got a bigger piece of, you know, whatever, God bless him, right? (laughs) Might be hard to say, but yeah, rejoice with them when they're blessed. Okay? All right, let's keep going. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4, isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? You already have all you need. So taking a little sidelight, I think what Paul is telling us is we need to also be thankful for what we have. Whatever we have, even if it's a smaller piece of cake than my brother. Whatever we have, we can give thanks to God for what he gives. And in our finite minds, sometimes we can't understand it and we get all jealous and we get instead just stop and give thanks stop and give thanks all right keep going now Matthew 20 but he replied to one of them friend I'm doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a denarius take what belongs to you and go I choose to give to the last worker as I gave or gave to you am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me I think what Jesus is teaching here is trust God. God knows what he's doing. Always, not sometimes. And so when he blesses and he gives, to whether to you or to me or to somebody else, he gives at the right time, at the right place, the right amount. He meets our needs, according, and this is scripture, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So God dispenses for you and for me. We can trust him. He's going to give to you what you need when you need it. And yet, the old Adam, my old Adam, your old Adam, Satan himself, the world we live in is constantly comparing and competing with other people. So here's the fork in the road. I'm going to take you back to the James passage, but from a different version. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And you can remember that big slide with all the different things. But here's the fork in the road. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So you can go the road of envy and jealousy, and then it says it leads to all this vile practice. Or we can go down this other path that says wisdom is really the application of knowledge. You know that God is going to do what he's going to do. He's always perfect. He's going to bless us. And so when we get to that place and that understanding, there's going to be a peace here. But if we're over here, we have a lack of peace. And the two are as different as night versus day. So Jesus, teaching in this parable, is trying to teach people like you and me, be thankful for others, be thankful for what you have, and give thanks at all times. I'm going to share with you Hebrews chapter 12 from the message, and I love the way it's stated. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers, now this is from Hebrews 12, and this is where you get the big long list of all those who have gone before. All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I think this is the answer, folks. If you feel envy um, coming up, kind of coming around the corner and coming at you, keep your eyes on on Jesus. In fact, it goes a little further, and I memorized it in the New International Version. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So yes, keep your eyes on Jesus, because he's the one who stayed the course. If you would, think about this. What happened when Jesus began his ministry? Remember, he fasted for 40 days, he was baptized, and then immediately after, who came on the scene? Satan. Took him out to the desert and tempted him, ultimately with envy. Hey, you're hungry, you fasted for 40 days, why don't you make these stones into bread? Or he brought him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, jump down. And he knew what would happen. People would be drawn to this miracle worker and not necessarily to the Savior. Or the other one was, hey, if you bow down to me, see all these kingdoms and see all this wealth, it's all yours. Each time, Jesus said no. Because his goal was the cross. His goal was to pay for the sins of the world, your sin, my sin. To deal with our envy and to give us a new perspective and new hope and new joy and new peace. So, yes, love is kind. Love does not envy. And if we think of what that would mean, I would say this. Love means being content. Love means being thankful for, yes, what you get, but what also what other people have too. And my prayer is that Jesus would teach us and give us his Holy Spirit so we would get it and then live it out in our life. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are going to continue now as we're going to share our faith. And I love the fact that the Apostles' Creed is a beautiful summary of God's activity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's stand and let's share this out loud together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, we did this last service, so you know it's coming. It's, it's an audible. I'm going to do something different. Would you be seated? <laughs> February 14th, whether you were here or online, I hope you had a chance to uh, experience what we did. Now, it's Valentine's Day. We're, we were talking about love, and we are talking about how God loves us and how God brings breakthroughs into lives. And if you remember over here, we had a mother and daughter sitting up here, people I knew from 20 years ago. And when I heard what happened in their life, I asked them, would you please come up here and tell the story about how God's love changed your life? And they told their story. And the premise behind it was this. I believe that God wants to do a breakthrough in everyone's life. Not just mine, not just yours, but everyone's life. And then we had over here, we had several people, and I was highlighting some of the new missions and ministries that we're going to be doing here at 1C, the sanctuary. And we had uh, divorce care, grief share, um, celebrate recovery. We had uh, summer camp. And we're just painting this picture of how we want to step into people's lives and, and bless them with the word of God and let them find breakthrough and healing and hope. And then I came front center and then I talked about um, that we're going to go beyond our walls. We're going to take the message of God's love and bring it. And if you recall, um, we just recently heard from Okongo and his wife, Shyla. And as I've been looking at, you know, what, what they do in ministry in Africa, uh, you know, I, I thought, wow, what an opportunity for people like you and me to make the, and take the gospel and bring it on the other side of the world. And as I was looking around some of the stuff that they're doing, how powerful would it be to provide water for a village, safe water? We take water for granted, don't we? If you're thirsty, you can get up and go get a drink, right? We can do that. But there are places in this world where water, water is it's just not available, clean water. And so for $20,000, we as a congregation can help a village have water. I'm thinking, wow, that could be a real way to love somebody in another part of the world. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to be having Katie from Youth and Family for Christ. And when we think about the ministry they do in our community, they step into the lives of young people who are, I mean, 
they need Jesus, but they also need some of the other things of how to navigate life, how to make good decisions. And so we can come alongside of them and help that take place. And then uh, two weeks from now, we're going to be talking to Cami. She actually went to Camp Luther for several years. She's now a DCE in the area here, serving at a church. And she's going to talk about how the gospel um, is meaningful and how it really changed her life because of camp. We as a church have an opportunity to step up and lean in and come alongside these missions. And you heard about that challenge grant, right? That's just one part of it. We are actually calling on all of us to be praying about these new missions over here, ministries that we're doing, these three missions. Pray about it. Also, consider where can you volunteer? Where can you use your gifts and abilities and talents to bring the gospel in a real tangible way? And then, thirdly, Pray, Lord, you know, I understand that we have a $100,000 challenge grant. So every dollar that's collected will be doubled. How could that be used in Africa, in Columbus? And even when we think about the camp and its effect, you know, not just in the state of Nebraska, but you know, within our country, how can that make a difference? So we're, you know, I'm just bringing it in front of you again. You'll keep hearing about it, and it's, it's not law-motivated, it's gospel. I really want us to stop in our tracks and realize how blessed we are. And then respond out of the gospel. God, you have blessed me. I want to be a blessing to others. So please keep that in your prayers. Pray for these missions, ministries that we're doing. Because again, it's bringing the gospel into the lives of people who desperately need it. Uh, I'm going to say amen. Would you say amen back like you are from a different kind of church? Like a Pentecostal church, right? Amen. amen. Close? A little bit more? I'm going to push him. We're going to push you. Now, and we don't have to say, you can say amen or amen. It doesn't bother me. But say it like you mean it. Remember what amen means. Yea, yea, it shall be so. It's like a powerful uh, proclamation. This is what I believe. Amen. Okay, let's stand. Wow. <laughs> I felt the floor kind of shake. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to share the blessing with you. This blessing is not a Jim Thielen blessing. This is found in the scriptures. This is where God was speaking to his people when they were getting ready to journey and to travel and to, to go. Hang on these words, not just in church, but throughout the week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Okay. of my heart as you found me you freed me held back the waters for my release oh Yahweh 
You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The sign that you are with me The fire by night A guiding light to my feet As you found me, you freed me Held back the waters from my release Oh Yahweh You're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory Hallelujah torn apart the sea you have led me through the deep hallelujah hallelujah you're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory hallelujah hallelujah you have torn apart the sea you have led me through the deep hallelujah
Death is swallowed 